actually, let me go ahead and get started here. So thank you for tuning in to the Okinawa Karate Podcast. I am Josh Simmers coming to you from the birthplace of karate, Okinawa, Japan, with my special guest who's not in Okinawa, Japan, Mr. Nope. Richard Ganton. <laughs> Thanks for hey joining everyone. me today, buddy. How are you guys? Thanks, Josh. How are you, buddy? Okay? Cheers from Okinawa. It's Cheers from England. <laughs> <laughs> eight o'clock at night, eight o five in Okinawa. So it's 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 okay for having a beer on a Saturday night. And it's midday here at lunchtime on a Saturday, and it's lockdown. So uh, yeah, cheers. There you go. There you go. So Richard and I met um, two thousand and sixteen. Did you come here? Or was it fifteen? Yep. Sixteen. Yep. Sixteen. Two thousand sixteen. You came to Okinawa. First time ever to Okinawa. And I, you know what, Richard, I cannot even remember how I found out you were coming here, but you posted something on one of the Facebook groups. Yeah. Coming to Okinawa, this and that. And I was like, all right, I, I'll I help you out. Let's see what we can do and get together to train. I love meeting new people and training with new people. You came over here in yeah. August, I think it was, July or August. I remember it was blistering yes. hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was, I can remember because, and and you're like, because it basically was one of those things, and because I'm not part of any association or anything, and it was like you say, I, I literally put a thing on Okinawan Karate, hey, look, I'm coming over to Okinawa, anyone speak English, want to meet up, would be really, really cool, just have a bit of a tour guide or anything like that at all, and then you messaged me, and we sort of interacted a bit on uh, Facebook Messenger and stuff like that. Right, that's right. And I remember you and I both, we spoke about it a day or two after we met because we thought, shit, hang on a second. I'm about to meet this guy. <laughs> We've arranged to meet this guy and, uh, and spend the next seven to ten days with this guy. What if I don't like him? Yeah, oh, yeah. Crap, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. And, but luckily we hit it off, so it was all we right. Did. So we did. And that was the first time I've ever actually done that. And my, I remember actually, now that you mentioned it, my wife telling me, she's like, because I, I, I took off work. I took some vacation days, and I was like, well, yeah, yeah. you know what? I kind of I want to do this. I want to – it's part of the beauty of living on Okinawa and, and different people coming here because – you know, I was stationed here in the military, and then yeah. when I came back to the island, when I was training in America, I always wanted to know what was going on in Okinawa. Who's over there? Mm -hmm. What's going on? Who can we train with? And when I got over here, I thought, you know, I want to try to help other people if I can. Yeah. I can't always get you a foot in the door of, of a particular dojo, but I can try, right? And I remember we were yeah. sitting there that night we were training with Kyan Sensei at our dojo, and you were like, yeah, I'd really like to get into a, a Goju-Do dojo. And he was like, okay. And he picks picks up the phone and he, he calls Kuba Sensei, right? And I was like, fantastic. Yeah. It was the next day or two days later, I thought I was going to pass out at Kuba Sensei's dojo. That was July. tough. That was a tough session. Like one o'clock in the afternoon, Adam Adam helped us get in touch Adam. with him, right? Adam Ball down yeah. in uh, Australia. And that was perhaps the first time. No, it wasn't. It was the second time. I literally started to see stars here in Okinawa when uh, I felt like, okay, I'm getting ready to pass out. And if he did not give us a break, I was going for it, man. I was going to fall right out there on the floor. And he must have sawed yeah. me because right then it was like, okay, time for a break. Yeah. And he was just like, yep, thanks, boys. I'm yep. off now. Take a yep. photo. Yep. See you later. Yeah, and I, I remember you and I, you know, I looked at you and you looked at me and that, that knowing look of, 
what the heck was that? Yeah. It's like an hour, hour, an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half of just almost nonstop training, like one o'clock in the afternoon on a, yeah. on a, on a weekday here in Okinawa. Yeah. And uh, he went right back to work. Yeah, so straight downstairs, and me, my thing was you, Adam, Adam Ball from Australia, and us. We then went out and had something to eat for lunch. Yeah, that's good right. Day. And I got a parking ticket. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> just a warning. And luckily, I haven't had one. Haven't had one since. Yeah. Anyway, um, <clears throat> this is the first time I've done an interview not here in Okinawa. When I started the wow. Okinawa Karate Podcast. Actually, I didn't start the podcast when you were here. I started it after you had left. Yeah, because right? um, so you were talking this. about it when I was there. So yeah. you were thinking, this is what I wanted to launch. Yep. So it was a good yeah. idea. But almost a year later, I think, is when I kicked it off. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I said, look, I'm, I'm only going to do interviews here in Okinawa. That was my main goal. When people come into town or you know, interviewing a sensei's here, obviously, we're in a bit of a unique situation right now. Um, yeah, I put myself on lockdown and put my family on lockdown. Uh, you're on lockdown there in England, right? Yeah, we're done. We're on lockdown. So said, "Hey, it's time to do something with Zoom and uh, reach out to Richard." So yeah, let's get the the rundown of what is Richard Canton all about, and tell us about Canton Martial Arts. So okay, so long story short, I started training when I was 12, 13. My mum wouldn't let me train as a kid. Um, I was quite uh, energetic, for one, for a better word. And about twelve or thirteen, I did retake Wando um, for about two or three years. Then I joined the Australian Army. I didn't then left. Joined the Australian Army when I was seventeen. Um, went in the, as an apprentice carpenter in the engineers. Was only in there for a couple of years. Did my apprenticeship, and I trained karate in the in the Australian Army. I left, uh, went travelling, and then uh, about 1992, I started training again in a style, a style called Zendukai Karate in Australia. And in Australia, I was training that, um, and then I thought, this is cool. I'm actually enjoying this. I actually enjoy training. And then in 1995, I saw an advert to actually teach full-time for a living. And I thought, hey, look, man, I've got to jump at that. So I left my job and started teaching full-time for a company called GKR Karate, which is massive in Australia. Then in 1997, I flew to England and set up GKR Karate over here in England, down in London. And uh, all going well, really, really well. New manager come in. My old manager left. New manager come in. He was great at first, but then typical after a while, you start to sort of butt heads yeah. and you think this guy is not sort of the same guy. But just the company, the club was changing as, you know, from what I first joined eight years ago. Yeah. So then in 2002, I started up my own club, um, Canton Martial Arts. A lot of my black belts and students and stuff like that come with me then. Um, and then, yeah, so I basically started Canton Martial Arts then. Since then, we now, we've moved down to the coast. I met my wife and she lives right by the beach. So I, and I lived in a, in a crap hole. Um, you know, so it was just like, right, we're leaving, leaving there and we're coming down to, coming down to the beach to the live. Um, and now we, so we have one full-time centre uh, and six satellite locations. Um, now, and before, 
at the beach. Where where is the beach? Where where so East Eastbourne, Eastbourne in England. So Eastbourne in England is just next to Brighton. About uh, so if you look at London, yep. we're at the bottom, right on the very very coast. Okay. And so our dojo is literally probably a four or five minute walk away from the beach. Um, and we would have the guys when we had fighters, we would actually have them doing beach sprints and stuff like that yeah. over night time, which is crazy. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so yeah, so since then, Canton Martial Arts has been open. So we've got one full time center, six satellite locations. Before coronavirus, we were doing really, really well. We had five hundred members. Yeah. Um, wow. Throughout all of the locations, and uh, absolutely smashing it. And wow. uh, so doing really, really well. Um, we're a fair, sort of fairly decent-sized club when you think about it with 500 members training every week. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Richard, since where, Corona... Where, where yeah. are the other, other dojos located? Are they all somewhat close to you or are they spread all out over England? No. So over the southeast of England, Kenton, East Sussex, which is two states or two counties here in England. Yep. So from the furthest dojo, from where the full-time centre is to the furthest one away is about a two-hour drive. So okay. and, and, and then dotted in between there. So, for example, we're in Eastbourne. We've got one in Hailsham, one in Hastings, one in Rye, one in Folkestone, one in Canterbury and one in Ashford. So yeah. they're sort of big towns in and around Canton, East Sussex that we've been sort of got into. And we run two to three nights in each town okay. um, and, ser and service anywhere between sort of 30 to 100 people within that one satellite location. Okay. Wow. No kidding. That's fantastic. And tell me about uh, your what, – what do you teach? What do you train? What do you teach? Is there a specific style? at the Hombu Dojo versus the other ones, or is it everyone teaches the same thing? How does that work? Yep. So we basically, so I would class myself as a freestylist. Um, what I've done at the, uh, what I've done is I've trained in Muay Thai for like 20 years as well. And I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and I've probably done two or three different types of karate throughout my training. Mm -hmm. So what I've tried to do is take the best bits of all of that and put it into one karate style mm -hmm. um, and anything that I don't think that work doesn't work or is outdated or antiquated or anything like that at all I've just left you know I've sort okay. of thought no I, I need I so I've tried I've tried to make it a bit more as modern as possible um, the kata we do we do five kata on the way to black belt so for you kata itch no hunchin uh, Saifa, Sansaru, and Basadai. Mm -hmm. So they would be Gojiru Kata and a Shotokan Kata traditionally. Mm -hmm. And then now Black Belt Katas are above. They're mostly Goju and Shotokan. So the, the, if we were to look at our, our base would be the same as Okinawan Karate and you know, so Gojiru and Shotokan, fairly similar. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, then we would have clinching, throwing, takedowns, arm bars, pad work. Um, the whole sort of more impact training sort of side of it rather than we don't do any real um, Olympic karate or points fighting. It's more Budo application right. type stuff. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so at each of your satellite locations and you have a head sensei that's teaching and running and, and teaching all of those disciplines as well. 
Yeah, so basically our style, uh, the style that I've, I made up my own syllabus and uh, made up our, our, our own thing and then I have four or five full-time instructors that train with me, work for me and they come to the Hombu Dojo and train every week and so that everyone knows the core syllabus yep. and everyone understands what the core syllabus is and so then they'll go back to their respective dojos and teach the syllabus as well as anything else so each week would have a theme for example weapons defense or throwing or something or other like that <coughs> and so we would teach the core but during that week there would be a okay we but we're going to concentrate on weapons this week or we're going to concentrate on throwing or we're going to concentrate on um a, a pad work or we're going to concentrate on something else that that particular week and okay. throughout the whole of the club everyone would sort of rotate pretty much the same sort of time okay children yeah. and adults what how uh, how young will you accept three we start Eight, them at three, three. yeah wow. so we have our little near <laughs> <laughs> and that's tough. <laughs> yeah. I started them at six, and then yeah. I actually I had enough of those six-year-olds that I, I started saying I wasn't going to take under age eight, and then I wasn't going to take under age 10 because it is difficult. It is, it is yeah. very difficult. Um, takes a lot of time, but it's very rewarding. Yeah. So age three. And I tell you what, they are awesome. And I, when we, because I refuse to do it for years. I refuse. I'm not starting until they're five. I'm not starting until they're five. And then I, once I started the three-year-old lessons, and I used to baby them and stuff. Yeah. And in the end, now, man, I, I smash them. <laughs> Don't you move? Go do that. Twenty press-ups. I know it. And I'm on them, and they love it. They absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah. love it. Yeah. And and but yeah. And I know you're not meant to cuddle kids because of touching them and all that kind yeah. of stuff and but i give them a cuddle. i don't care about yeah. any of that yeah. crap you know i give them a cuddle. oh i love you richard they don't call me sensei or anything yeah. i love you richard oh i love you guys too and they bring in drawings and stuff oh, like that man. you know so I, I love that and so but but they still have to do it they you know so they still having to do proper kihon you yeah. know still having to do proper basics and stuff like that Yep. Oh, they don't do any any forms or if we do do sparring, they're not hitting each other. But a right. lot of it, a lot of it is what I've done is I've looked at what um, PE lessons and what you know, and I've researched a bit on what uh-huh. how developmental their bodies can actually play uh-huh. and what th- what things they can do within the development part of their body, and then thought how can I incorporate some form of karate lesson in that uh-huh. and just do that, and it just goes for thirty minutes. Um, and I get some of the parents up and it's just like they do self-defense. But they'll do self-defense techniques. They'll do proper front kicks, round kicks, side kicks. They'll do the whole lot. They'll, yeah. It's not just – they're not just there to piss us about. They're there to do a karate class. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And I'm sure the parents enjoy it too because they're burning off some energy. And yeah. how long have you been teaching the three-year-olds? Two years now. Two years. So have you had some of them that started at three and they've stuck with you and now we're turning five and, and pushing six and everything. Yeah. The progression that you're going to start seeing is going to be amazing with those kids. And the great thing is about it is one thing that I've developed because I see a lot of schools, they'll teach one set of stuff for the three-year-olds, another set of stuff for the seven-year-olds, another set of stuff for the 10-year-olds, another set of stuff for adults. Mm -hmm. I teach everything the same. 
And so the, the, our self-defense techniques that we teach the three-year-olds, if you were to come to class, for example, at 30, I would be teaching you the, those two first two same self-defense techniques. So it basically, so in theory, someone could start from three years of age and go all the way through to 14 and you're going to have the same syllabus all the way through and have the same amount of progression to be able to come through. It took a bit of time and it took a bit of work for me to understand how I want that yeah. <laughs> and how at a, as a black belt, what I, what I expect from someone as a black belt and then how I can break that into a thousand pieces from someone at three years of age to, to, to get to there, if that makes sense. Right, yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. It makes sense. I mean, it makes sense if you start somebody at age eight or if you start somebody at age 10, right? Yeah. Um, so what would you say, if you had to pick one discipline or a favorite, I mean, Muay Thai, BJJ, a traditional type of karate, what is your – what is your go-to? What is your bread and butter? What is your favorite? If you have to stand up right now and go do something, yeah, you're going to do it to train on your own uh, or to start teaching somebody from scratch. Do you have a favorite? Uh, yeah, I say I actually had this question asked the other day. If I train, I like to train Thai. And, you know, for example, <clears throat> every year or two, I go to Thailand and actually train over in Thailand. Yeah. Um, the reason I like that is because I can. I, I can just hit things. Um, and Thai, there is not as many, you know, it's like in karate, you've got all those fine, minute, tiny details that you can break into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah. yeah which can take a lifetime to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, whereas you can go to Thailand and you can just smash the shit out of pads for a couple of days. Yeah, and, and 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 so that that I love, you know, I, I love the fact that you can just go and train, get a sweat on, have a bit of a punch up, uh, smack someone in the mouth, get a punch in the mouth to yourself, you know, walk off there, have a beer, and job done. I love that side of things, you know, yeah. I I enjoy that, but I much prefer. I believe karate I could do for the rest of my life because I will never be able to stop learning from that. You know, yeah, karate. Karate for me, you know, whether it be the the ground side of things, the throwing side of things, or just the small, you know, the application. For example, we do lots of application or bunkai drills, yep. you know, two person flow drills and stuff like that. And that for me, that's the beauty about karate. You can, I think, learn karate until you're ninety years of age yeah, because yeah. you're just going to adapt it. So for me, yeah. I love to train in karate. Uh, sorry, Thai. But for realistically, I think I'll, I'll be able to do – I won't always be able to fight, yeah. um, but I will be able to always do karate for the rest of my life. So, yeah, yeah. that would probably be my answer to that one. I think. When, when you were here, you went to training with Seneca Sensei in Goju. Yeah. yeah. And um, I don't know how old he is right now, but he's in his 70s. Maybe yeah. – I think he's older. his 70s. I'm saying again? I thought maybe even older. He might be in his eighties. I'm not sure, and I, I, sh I I'll check on it. Um, but he's one of the examples. And then actually, our head sensei is 78 years old, and yeah, it's just so common here in Okinawa. These people yeah. that are that are in their 70s, some of them are still in their 80s. They're in the dojo every day, and they're training with people. I mean, we'll be over there doing stretching and doing kihon and stuff, and our sensei. Actually, you, you didn't meet our, our head sensei when you were no. here. You met uh, his senior student, who's 62 now and, and still lightning fast. 
uh, but our head sensei, and he just gets up and he starts stretching and, and like, gets into this deepest squat of anybody in the dojo. And yeah. just because he's been doing it for so long, you know, and he's, yeah. he's just constantly moving. And they're not – they're just not sitting down all the time over here. They're, 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 not. they're not training like idiots either, though. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not killing themselves every time in the dojo. No, and I think that is the myth. That is the one of the biggest thing I learned when I was in Okinawa because um, I suffer with uh, fairly bad arthritis because the, the amount of fighting and competing I've done, my body is now mullered. So I have arthritis and things. And here in England, it's quite cold. So in the winter, mm. my body hurts a lot. Yep. When I was in Okinawa, and that's another reason why I like going to Thailand, is I don't hurt. Yep. I actually feel, I feel young again my body doesn't hurt as much it's warm yep. everything is lubricated like in okinawa the thing i loved about i loved the fact that you would fart and sweat yeah you, know, you are <laughs> yeah. You, know, you are you are constantly yep. warm yep. and i and, and i love that and i think that helps things like yagi sensei you see him down at the uh, the buddha camp every single day with steve lyons and guys like that. Yep. just just guys like that. but i think and i, I think that 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 uh, sun and that warmth and just guys constantly training like that it does help 100 percent, without a doubt i believe it um yeah. I actually i posted something about it kind of almost joking around a while ago about uh the sauna therapy there's a lot of people looking into that these days and doing yeah. studies on it and if you're here in okinawa basically from may through october and you're in the dojo, you're in a sauna almost. I mean, yeah. you're just pouring yeah. sweat. And I miss it right now. Um, I miss it because in the winter months, it's not quite as hot like that. I still sweat a lot. But then over the last month, we haven't been in the dojo. I've been doing training on my own. And it's yeah. been uh, lower tempo because I'm here at the house, yeah. right? I don't have a dojo at my house. I'm in my backyard fighting the mosquitoes. But I, I miss <laughs> that just pouring sweat, you know, like you got yeah. out of the shower. And it, it yeah. just... It cleanses the body, and I know and I think, yeah. that is why think, people live so long. That's it, and I think that's where people like in Okinawa or Thailand, or even when I was living in Australia, the same thing. You literally, your gi, or even here in England in the summer can get like that when you are dripping, soaking, absolutely wet. And, and I'm sure a lot of the older martial artists, you know, karate guys can actually vouch that, you know, when it's cold, you know, and it's only like 30, 40 degrees Fahrenheit, and you're going to walk into a, into a dojo and your bones have been training for 25, 30 years and you've been doing long stance or Zen Kutsudachi for that long and your knees are like, ah. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, well, no. That's another thing. You typically don't see such a long stance in Okinawa anyway. But <laughs> So coronavirus, we'd be crazy not to talk about it. I mean, God, this is why we're doing this Zoom interview. I'm, I, yeah. like, I'm switching over to, okay, I want to interview people. I want to do stuff for the podcast. I see a lot of different senseis, including yourself, uh, doing Zoom training uh, yep. with, with their students. Uh, first of all, we've talked before we recorded it, but you're healthy. Your family's healthy. Yep. You're doing okay. Yeah, so I, uh, when it all kicked off, I actually caught the virus. I was home for two or three days, uh, sweats, chills, um, uh, but just, I just had lots of leukosate, lots of sleep. Took me a good week or so to recover because I was actually had the shortness of breath and things like that. Um, 
but it was I, I didn't feel right on the month Saturday and Sunday I coughed um, Monday I wasn't right and then Monday Tuesday Wednesday I was rough you know so three days I was not good and then Thursday I, I woke up and I felt like oh actually I feel I feel okay now and then just from there I felt okay so I went back to the dojo on the Monday and did a load of pre-recording stuff online and even like five minutes into the warm-up, I was sort of coming off the camera, sort of a bit like, well, oh, Jesus Christ, you know, I, I'm, I'm knackered here, you know? Yeah. And so then I come back on the camera and, and, and jump in the rest of the class. And then on Wednesday, we did a load more pre-recording, but I was fine then. So it took a week or so to clear through. But my wife, she's a trooper. My wife and daughter, they've been, they're fine. They haven't had any symptoms or anything like that at all. So, yeah, we're all here. We're all, we're all fine here now, so to That's speak, good. really. That's good. Yeah. And and do you so is it are you on a, a government lockdown? Like are you a mandated lockdown right now in England? No. We are mandated lockdown, but I go to the dojo every couple of days anyway. But, um, but you know, are you but you're not allowed to have a class. No, no. So okay. I literally what we will then so we are doing like exactly what you said. When this all first kicked off me and my team, uh, my instructors, we went to the dojo and spent two days there and pre-recorded three weeks' worth of lessons. Oh. Um, and so what we basically did is, and then we sent that to everyone, bang, this is your lesson for today, this is your lesson for today. Uh, we then sent through worksheets and all that kind of stuff and contacted them, Zoom Q&As, anything like that at all to be basically keeping in contact with the, with the student base that we possibly could. Um, we lost still over 130 members of Gone in the last two weeks alone. Uh, I'm think? sorry to hear that. Yeah, 130 members, boom, gone in two weeks. It was just like, holy shit, there's a big chunk of income gone. You know, we've had to lay two members of staff off. I've got an apprentice. She's on furlough. So it has taken a massive kick in the in the in the in in the balls with regards to the business side of things and. Yeah, you know, so you look at that, and like, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people. We, we, where we are, where you have a lot of um, foreign workers, and and uh, because we're on the beach, and lots of hotels, and lots, of, you know, so they instantly closed the hotels. So we had people, we were having people, you know, uh, five to ten, fifteen people losing their jobs a day in and around the dojo. And when you think about it, martial arts is, um, you know, most people live. Paycheck to paycheck, you know they yeah. they they they're, they're spending eighty percent of their wage to live and survive on, and twenty yeah. percent of their wage goes on, you know, extras. And yeah. unfortunately, karate training is one of the extras. It is, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And you know, and uh, and when people are losing their jobs left, right, and center, you know, so literally within we 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 lost one hundred and thirty-five within sixteen days. Wow, I am so sorry to hear that. Cheers, ah. buddy. Yeah, and so yeah, but and that's that's a tough call. But hey ho, shit happens. You just got to roll with the punches. <laughs> Literally, right? You do. <laughs> um, that's heartbreaking, though. And I, I talked about that a week ago when I recorded a, a very short update to the podcast. That you know, <clears throat> here in Okinawa, the majority of the of the dojos are not the primary income for the senseis. Um, yeah. My head sensei is retired, but no one else in our dojo, not a single person 
is relying on the income from the dojo. Yeah. The vast majority of them are not. Yeah. Um, so we're okay here, right? But yeah. I'm very concerned about where I trained back in America because it's not that way. Uh, 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 yeah, I agree. Yeah, like a lot of guys in the States, I talked to a lot of guys in the States here in the UK. Yeah, martial arts has become uh, like the fitness industry. It's a big, it's a massive industry now. Yep. You know, um, you know, when I, that's the one reason I love going to America. My, my dad lives in America or in Canada now, and I'd always go to America and I'd just find the local strip mall, yep. go and train. Because yep. there was, there, there, and you look at a lot of guys, and over here there is a lot of smaller clubs that will fold. Because um, either A, they haven't got the technology, or B, they haven't got the money to be able to, to keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for example, if you look at my club alone, you know, you've got me and my wife. I've got another husband and wife team who have got a franchise. I've then got uh, another four staff on top of that. All re And not all, you know, you know, see, if you think about it, you've got six or seven staff, paid staff, on reliant on what is in effect a martial arts business and i would if i would imagine you know some of the other schools uh, you know that, that are going to listen to this whether they're in america or wherever are the same they are reliant or, or have turned you know, i'm one of the lucky ones i you know i get to actually teach my hobby or my hobby had become a job mm -hmm. but at the same time when something like this happens you think oh crap you know, this, mm -hmm. this is taking a little bit of a hit here. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I hope that the students around the world can stick with their senseis and their senseis yeah. can stick with their students. There's, there's yeah. every business is, is uh, being affected by it. Um, but something kind of struck me funny here, not funny, but two or three days ago you had posted something online. I, you know, because I follow you on Facebook about doing Zoom training and people not keeping up with it, right? And then you said you and your staff went in and recorded three weeks worth of, of footage, of lessons. Yeah. Um, I think that's fantastic. I, I really do. Yeah. There's part of me, and, and senseis around the world are doing that. I see it on, on Facebook and everything. That's great. I recorded some videos for my students and put up in a private group that we have, but yeah. I'm in the ability, I, I'm in the position where um, I, I just stopped in March and I stopped in April teaching. I'm not collecting tuition fees and where I rent my dojo, I'm yeah. not paying. I have that ability, right? Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that bothers me is uh, the, the, the lack of desire for people to train on their own. You know, and yeah, I'm not, I don't want to try to come down on people that maybe lost a job and they've got sick loved ones. I, I'm not trying to come down on people for that. But the majority of people aren't in that situation yet. And yeah. I'm, I'm sitting back and I'm seeing so much stuff online. And this is probably, I'm probably going to turn a lot of people off right here on the Okinawa. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to know how many people are training on their own. I know that I have at least one adult student that's training because he, he'll do it all the time anyway, and he's training yeah. with his, his children. And I'm down to only like 10 students right now anyway. But I'm sitting here thinking, okay, you know, I was joking with you. It's hard for me to get my daughters to train. I have to force them, right? Okay, dad, whatever. Yeah, you know, That's yeah. a father-daughter. <laughs> but, you know, there's these romantic stories about these, these old karate masters on Okinawa that would train by the moonlight, you know, so no one could see them practicing their art. Well, how many people are doing that now? 
Not many, mate. Not, not many. many. Not many at all. Not many. And it, 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 it frustrates me that training has become a social event. And that's not what it's supposed to be. Nope. So I kind of think uh, I'm not trying to make light of the situation at all. I'm not. No. But for some people, it's kind of thinning the herd. And it's kind of a good kick in the hind end for a lot of other people. Like Absolutely, if you can't, I agree. If you can't yeah. train on your own. I don't care if you're a student for six months. You have enough keyhone that you can train on your own. You have enough basics that you can train on your own. Yeah. If nothing else, do exercise. Yeah. Go for a yeah. nice walk outside and practice some front stances. You have enough yeah. ability to do it on your own. And I think it's phenomenal that people, we're doing this Zoom podcast right now, right? It's phenomenal yeah. that we have the technology to be able to do that. But I'm, I'm just flabbergasted by what I see as people relying on that. I, I, the, 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 it's funny you say that. And the thing, I, I've joined a martial arts mastermind group. And the reason why we actually have gone from the pre-recorded stuff and we're changing now to Zoom is for accountability. Um. We want to, and, and, and the, the reason why we're actually going to Zoom is because we can actually see the students who are online, like I can see you now, and we can actually keep an attendance tracker like you would do normally, so then they can still get their classes in for their gradings and stuff like that, but we can also sit there and think, hang on a second here, because some of the people, you, you know, it's like you sit there, it's nice and warm, shall I have a beer or shall I have front kicks? Uh, okay, I'll have a beer. <laughs> you know, let me let me do 500 reverse punches. No, nah, I'm just going to go for a quick Foster's. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but the thing I is with Zoom, reality too. <laughs> and, and and the thing is with Zoom, and that's and that's why we have changed because we want to be able to offer that accountability to students who need that kick up the bum. You and I, for example, you and I are different. We're one of the five percent. Who will, if I was to say to you, Josh, meet me at 2.30 a.m. down on the beach, we're going to train in our shorts, in the water, and it's going to be awesome, and then we're going to do 1,000 press-ups and 500 press-ups, and then we're going to throw up, and then we're going to go home and start our day. You'd be like, yeah, let's, let's go, son, let's go. Yeah, yep. But, but everyone else will be like, yeah, no, nah, screw that, mate. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see you on Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, um, we're going to get cut off here in a short amount of time. Uh, we're yeah. at the five minutes recording time here, but uh, we'll have to do this I, again I, in a couple of weeks' time and see. Will, and yeah. see where and we're you at. need to get back to Okinawa. I know, I know. I've been saying so, that for. Uh, you said you were going to bring your wife and daughter to Okinawa. We were going to get the families together because, you know, our kids aren't going to want to train. They're going to want to just go to the beach and everything like that. Yeah. You know, I'm still holding you on that. I'm coming. I, I will be there. Uh, it's probably going to be closer to 2022 or 2023 by now. Let's re recover from the coronavirus <laughs> economy meltdown. Uh, yeah. we're, we're waiting for you over here. We're waiting. I can't wait. The thing is with Okinawa, you know, if, if people sort of say, what, what was training like in Okinawa? As a freestylist, Okinawa, you've got to go to Okinawa as an experience, not to learn anything. Yeah. Because okay. I didn't learn anything because I'm a freestylist and I went to four or five different Goju-Ru schools and each were doing the same kata but differently. Yeah. So there is no, oh, that's not traditional. Yeah, There's yeah. no traditional anymore. 
you know so um a lot so i know there's some martial arts schools in australia and here in the uk who have a sister link or a father link to okinawa so they can go to okinawa and get graded there and actually go and train with the main man the sensei in okinawa and so that that i can understand that as a freestylist i even said to my guys i said if we go don't think that you want to go and learn this magic golden nugget you basically go there for the cultural experience and to have a nice holiday and see where such and such train see where such and such train have that training session with that person have that training session with that person enjoy the okinawa for being okinawa as a cultural experience and don't expect some miracle training golden nugget and i think that is you know that is the number one thing about training in okinawa and that's why when I take that, bring the family over, we're going to come over and have, uh, enjoy Okinawa as a holiday That's and it. just enjoy and, and enjoy, yeah, and just come to your dojo and do a few sessions and have some fun. That's right. Yep. Some beach training, enjoy the beach barbecue. Yep. Yep. And, you know, the golden nugget is just training. Yeah. My, my sensei in America would tell us that. Oh, man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very sorry about that. Um, First time doing a Zoom video, and I knew I had about 40 minutes before it would cut off, and it cut off at 37 minutes, stopped recording. So I'm finishing this up right now, um, but I'm a little bit depressed. I had a great time talking to Richard, phenomenal individual, loved training with him when he was here in Okinawa, and I can't wait to do it again. But to hear him talk about losing over 100 students, uh, it's heartbreaking. And to know after – I called him back after it stopped recording. We talked, you know, for another 10 minutes or so. And um, he's not not the only one in that situation. He's talking to other people up there in England and and around the world that are kind of in the same situation right now. So uh, I feel bad. Uh, I feel I feel really bad. Um, so anyway, hopefully you can stick with your dojo. Hopefully your sensei can stay afloat. Anything you can do to help them out, please do it. I know everybody's in a tough time right now. Uh, please um, stay healthy, stay healthy, stay healthy, stay healthy. Keep training on your own. You do not need anyone. You should not need anyone. Um... To, to encourage you to train on your own, you should do that in yourself. I'm kind of getting frustrated by that right now with what I see <clears throat> people kind of relying on too many <clears throat> Zoom videos for teaching and whatnot. It's great that people can do that, but there's there's no reason whatsoever that you cannot get out there and train on your own. It is April 4th here in Okinawa, Saturday. Tomorrow, April 5th, is um, the 100 Kobodo Challenge that my friend James, James Pinkovich has organized. I will be doing the challenge alone. I've forced myself to be on lockdown. No one else has done it. Uh, Japan is still operating. Okinawa is still operating. Uh, certain things are restricted, but I have forced myself to be on lockdown. I've forced my family to be on lockdown. So I'm probably going to go in my backyard or go find a remote area on a beach somewhere and do the challenge myself. I was originally thinking about just doing bow and sai, but now I've kind of got this itch for 
for Tunfa. I'm not really sure why, but I haven't worked with Tunfa in a long time. I haven't focused on it heavily in a long time, and I'm kind of thinking now I'm going to bring Tunfa and maybe Nunchaku and maybe do 25 of those four weapons, uh, which is not what James had in mind. Sorry, James, but it's my challenge. It's your challenge. Get out there and train on your own. There's absolutely no reason for sitting around and waiting for somebody to help you. If you've been training for a month, six months, a year, you have all the information you need to go out there and train on your own. You're probably going to have a lot more questions when you come back to the dojo and you get in front of your sensei and you figure things out in your kata or you're questioning things in your kata or your kihon. Um, but I do hope that everybody gets through this uh, rather quickly and we're all back into the dojo sweating our asses off sooner rather than later. As always, thanks for tuning in to the Okinawa Karate Podcast. I am Josh Simmers coming to you from the birthplace of karate, Okinawa, Japan.